warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. Britannia, the very British podcast about very British movies, with just a hint of professionalism. Good morning, Scott here with me, Stephen, as usual. Good morning, sir. Morning, mate. How are you doing? Very well, very well. Just off air, we were talking. Now, this is going to be very confusing for the listener. We were talking about what we're going to be doing for our Christmas episode. <laughs> but by the time this episode goes out, because we're so far in advance... It'd be Easter, will well, I don't know. This is probably going to go about February or March, this episode. We haven't even recorded the Christmas episode. It's just at the tail end of November, as we speak. And, and we're, we're flummoxed as to what Christmas movie to do, because we've, we've reviewed Scrooge with Alistair Sim. I don't think we want to review Love Actually yet <laughs> no i would prefer um to not do that straight away um let's let's just hold off and, yeah. and see what else we can find first before going for that okay so by the time <laughs> by the time you hear this episode we will have made our decision yeah and you will be as equally as surprised as we are now <laughs> <laughs> tonight's episode today's episode was selected by your good self and it's an oddity, to put it mildly. What what are we actually going to be talking about now? Uh, we're going to be talking about The Reckoning um, from 1970. Yeah. It's been on Talking Pictures TV a couple of times recently, and I've missed it every single time. So after you suggested it, I thought, OK, yep, let's track down a copy, which was much harder than we actually thought. I finally watched it, managed to watch it this weekend. You've seen it previously to this? I have, via Talking Pictures TV of all, of all yeah. places. Um, oh. Plug, plug, plug. Um, <laughs> <coughs> but, uh, yeah, so it was there where I, I first saw it, and, um, yeah, it, it just piqued my interest to, to the level where I thought, this deserves more wider recognition. Cool. So, um, so that's why I, I suggested it at this point. Okay. If I can find a trailer, we will play the trailer now. If not, there's some cracking dialogue. I'll just find a scene that we can we can just lift directly from the film. Right here. Whatever it will be, we'll be back after this. I don't believe it. Well, you knew about it. And why didn't you call it off? How could I? What kind of pig iron are you made of? Don't you ever feel anything? That old fella is lying up there in Liverpool in some lousy morgue getting stiffer and stiffer and you expect me to sit around drinking Camparis with your fat-ass, useless lady golfers. Well, your friends are coming too, don't forget. Drop the lot of them. I'm going out. No, you're not. I'm not going to be lumbered with your really tycoons. Bucks. The Reckoning, released in March 1970... Directed by Jack Gold, starring Nicole Williamson. We've got Anne Bell, 
Douglas Wilmers in there, Zena Walker, Paul Rogers. Not necessarily immediately famous names, but you will recognise the faces. Give yeah. us the synopsis, mate, and then we're going to dive straight into this. Okay. Michael Marler, a successful businessman in London, is about to make his way to the top. The death of his father brings him, after five years, back to his hometown of Liverpool, where he is confronted with his lost Irish roots. So <laughs> that's quite brief there. Yeah. But, um, um, not giving anything away of, of, of what happens in the plot. But um, yeah, um, let's just set, you know set it out there that he, he's not a hero. He's a bastard. Really. Oh, instantly. I mean... There are comparisons to get Carter when you hear that synopsis. Let's let's get this bit out of the way. Yes, but there's more to it than that. It's not a man going out to avenge the death of one of his loved ones, travelling north. You know, as it is in Get Carter as well. Um, the gangsters are not necessarily gangsters in this. It's it's big business which is the villain in this capitalism and. Oh, the, the, the sort it's, of boardroom dealings, isn't it? I think this. This is yeah. There's probably an appeal, you know, with my, um, you know, socialism. There's probably <laughs> some um, appeal for me um, that it does expose that kind of chicanery and and just downright um, deceit and and evilness of of the boardroom. Yeah. But yeah, the the comparisons to get Carter are bound to be there. This predates um, even the the novel for Get Carter. Yeah, of course. Um, never mind the actual uh, novel. This is based upon. Mm. Um, you know, and I, th- I think that it's that there are differences between the films enough for them to actually you know stand out for their own individual aspects. So rather than being one being a reflection of the other, I think that they are, do take a different approach to it. But um, I mean, certainly Nicole. Um, Manages to to do a, a better Northern accent than Michael Caine does, um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I think whereas whereas get Carter go down the the route of of more the that almost ultra violence and the hardcore villains with hardcore crime and, and stuff, this is petty thuggery yep. and um, more a realistic um, avenging that goes on. That rather than you know shotguns and all this kind of stuff, it's it's more what you can imagine. You know, if you were pushed to an extreme yourself, or or somebody you knew pushed to an extreme, you can imagine this actually being what happens rather than there being the sawn off mm. shotguns and and you know quarry side um, <laughs> shootings, yeah, shootings and stuff. <laughs> but it's not so. They, it's... So they are different beasts in in a way, although yeah. there are absolutely similarities. But it's not even the really the focal point of the movie because the the vengeance thing doesn't happen until about 90 minutes in to this sort of two hour almost movie and it's it's over very briefly what we witness is it's a excellent character study with a fantastic performance by nicole williamson and it's also sort of the chronicle of a man gradually breaking down and just literally, I don't know, we, we, we get a fascinating glimpse into his backstory, his heritage, his upbringing. And it's just, I don't know, it's a Tower House performance from Williamson. Yeah, from start I mean, to considering finish. he's somebody who 
um, is really better known for supporting characters. Yeah. Uh, he um, This had been a lead role for him. I'm surprised that this, this didn't lead on to him doing more lead roles. I think the from what I've read, the um, the criticism of this film comes out more in the way it was marketed and, and such, that the film itself isn't criticised, but it's, it was it never got wide acclaim because it wasn't it wasn't marketed well. It wasn't shown. Well. How would you market um, this? You know, it's 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 a drama. It's not a well, ve- yeah. it's not a vengeance movie. It's not like a Death no. Wish type Charles Bronson thing. No, it's it it sits firmly in in I don't know it's not psychological drama almost something like that. Yeah, I mean, as you say, it's a character study, uh, which is wonderful, and that. For starting off with a guy who feels like he's secure with his lot and and where he is and he's he's ultra confident um, in his business world and his even with his home life with his fractious relationship with Very his wife that's yeah. that's that's a, a, a situation he com- he's in complete control of even though it is somewhat chaotic he knows immediately what buttons to press with her with the aggressive sex and stuff that she just gives into him um and that kind of and, and what to to say and do that he still gets his own way and stuff and it seems like that's that's a, a balance that they both understand in the relationship but it's from that standing point it, it the f- one phone call starts that unraveling where he <laughs> yes he's confronted with his his past which yeah. he's been ignoring for five years but he unravels in the business world as well as in his in his his other world and it's it just brings it out that he's equally at odds with both parts of his life um yeah. ultimately rather than being the confident you know in control and everything it turns out that he's 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 not part of either world really um, and that, as you say, as a character study in the way that he he does react to all of that and the way that, you know, there's not really, a, there's only a collision of the two worlds really within him, um, not with his wife. You don't see his wife visiting his in-law, you know. His, oh, no, she doesn't want anything out, to do with She won't do that. So there's not a, not a collision of characters in that way. He's the only character that goes between the two worlds. But yeah. um, there is the, the collision within him and um, and obviously... Um, the collision of his fist with one of his um, his, his corporate <laughs> corporate um, superiors, work, friend, yeah. work, work friends who you know when um, questioning his his Irish working class roots um, receives a fist in the face as a, as an answer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it it is it is about somebody who ultimately is 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 deeply unlikable, really. But it, um, with his misogyny and is is the way he treats. Um, everybody as as somebody to be used and disposed of, um, and to some extent you get the impression he doesn't like himself. But it, as you say, the, the 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 action is quite minimal in it, um, which actually I think, I think considering the level at which the actual that that physical retribution comes in at, I think the 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 fact that it's the rest of it isn't. Um, violence and action all the way through. I think it makes that more impactful. more poignant. Yeah, yeah, yeah impactful that, for one of them. Yeah, yeah. But I think the 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 thing about this is it's um, as you say the character study and the and the dialogue is this. There's some, some great, of the lines some great are, stuff. Are amazing, yeah. really. Yeah. I went into this blind. I knew a vague outline of the story. Um, 
successful businessman travels north following the death of family member and then I'd sort of heard there was comparisons to get cars so I went in not knowing what to expect from this at all I'm going to have to watch it again because there was too much going on for my poor little brain to digest this weekend you know I, I think if I'd have gone in knowing it was a character study knowing it was a chronicle of the breakdown of of this businessman I, I may have been a bit more prepared for it I didn't know where it was going to go yeah if I'd said it was a you know a more gritty um Reggie Perrin then um <laughs> <laughs> I'd say what it reminded me of I don't think you would have seen it because it doesn't get shown on tv hardly there was a a, a a ITV drama or BBC drama called The Brothers early 70s just about this sort of era and it was about this family of, of businessmen I think they were haulage um had a haulage firm and there's a lot of sort of boardroom shenanigans for want of a better word you know and, and backstabbing and double dealing um and it sort of reminded me of that particularly because of the era and the clothes and the and, and the time it was set but also can I just point out as well you were saying he's a, he's a deeply unlikable character but for somebody so unlikable he's certainly lucky with the ladies well it's it's that um machismo and, and the power thing and and, and power and, and and aggression but he's like um, a dog on heat that, throughout the whole film oh yeah he's he's <laughs> he, he's, he's an animal that, that's, that's constant and looking for for you know although he's got his his ambitions within business and and there is the the, the plot line of of the um him getting revenge for his father or, or, you know all of that is 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 running alongside the fact that uh, you know every opportunity is looking to to get his end away yeah and and prove to some extent I think that is again part of his character that he needs to be constantly asserting his manliness and his power um so so any opportunity to do that to to push that is something that he takes and I mean you know I'm only surprised he didn't end up um, bedding the landlady in the guest house that he well, ends yeah. up um, well, staying in as well because I thought you know every opportunity he, he similar, gets similarity to get Carter there as well yeah yeah so absolutely I mean that's I think again part of part of his psyche that mm. he, he feels the need to to bed um, every woman he, he can and make you know make them make them beg for him almost pretty much yeah. that's the impression yeah. I got but I'm watching this movie and I'm thinking okay the vengeance thing, as I say, doesn't kick in until an hour and a half into the movie. So I'm watching this and thinking, okay, is this a movie about boardroom struggles? Is this about big business? And then, it, it, as I say, it sort of, sort of clicked with me that that is the, the villain of the piece, is the corporate business side of things. And he is equally a gangster as Jack Carter, you know, in the fact that he will do anything to get what he wants. There's a lot of double dealing under the surface. Oh yeah, um, a lot yeah. of backstabbing, and it's it's an instantly unlikable character, as you say. But he's got to where he is because he's good at what he does. You get this idea, don't you? Because when he first hears the um, the news that his father's desperately ill, his immediate boss doesn't want him to leave because there's a very important board meeting or something, isn't there? Literally, sort of about to to take place. But he's like, look, I'm only going to be gone half a day. Here's what you need to know for the board meeting. So he lets him go. Um, yeah, it delays half an hour just to finish off writing 
what the guy that needs. That was it, yeah. And uh, and arrives um, arrives for his father still being warm, but he's missed him by about half an hour, which is, you know, t- t- showing that um, his choice is made. What what how that impacts, but yeah. And we we get to Liverpool, and and the tone sort of changes. The the movie becomes something else. You know what we've got. We think is this boardroom drama now becomes a family drama and this is where it reminded me more of get carter the he's not a fish out of water as much as jack carter is because jack carter is used to being down south yeah nicole williamson instantly slots into where he was before even to the fact that his old bedroom is still there you know and he walks through the door is it his sister you know it's just as if he'd only been gone like half an hour but he's been gone 15 years yeah, and he's you know when he goes to get the doctor, he, you know he just walks the route naturally down the road yeah. without actually any um, you know any twisting and turning and going. No, is this the right way? And yeah. you know it just just it, it's all familiar territory to him still. It's ingrained in his in his memory and and the actual behaviour as a member of the family is ingrained in his psyche as well. I mean it's a back to talk you know from from talking about his his father. He's he's back to saying da. And Ma, yes, yeah, um, and stuff. So, yeah, the Irish in him suddenly becomes apparent because there's hints of his his Irish roots building up to this, uh, and it suddenly becomes more and more apparent as he gets back home. Obviously, he's got an Irish family. You know, you can his mother's got an Irish accent, and that just develops more and more as the story unfolds. But there is no real story to this because, as I say, where's it going to go? Because we don't know anything about how his father died there's, there's bruises on his father's body which he questions at first and yeah. he doesn't find out what that was until he gets to the club isn't it i think and somebody says yeah that. and he's speaking to cocky which is his dad's best friend yeah and, and gets the story of um but he, he 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 draws that out of the best friend by not actually telling him straight away that his father's died yeah so he's more willing to to talk about what happened because it's not it's not a, a a killing it's uh just a a, a beating up mm. um so he's manipu- even even then he's mani- you know even then he's he's calculating and manipulating but even then it's at this point i'm start thinking okay this is where nicole williamson becomes charles bronson we get the vengeance bit and it doesn't happen no you would have yeah you could have quite easily expected him to you know to go to the um his father's tool shed or go to the yard for the um where he gets the the company car from, we could go go there and and steal some tools to yeah. to make some kind of. I'll go see somebody he knew who's a sort of local gangster and and get tooled up yeah, and, and go on a vengeance spree, killing every <laughs> single member of the gang rather than just um, attacking one single member member of the gang. It so happen, it could it? quite easily have gone down a different route, but yeah. as you say, it takes a different turn. I I when I originally watched it. I just switched it on and didn't have any preconception of what it was because I didn't even think of it. I didn't even know of the comparison to Get Carter, so what, I didn't have that expectation. No. But I can maybe understand with you that you were maybe thinking that this has got a comparison to Get Carter, so that might be yeah. more more of it. And what I'll say to anybody that's going to watch this for the first time, I don't think it is a vengeance movie. I don't think that is the main crux of this whole, whole film yep. at all. It's nothing to do with that. That is just a sideline. Um, it's, it's, it's more it's more a ghost of the past movie rather than uh, 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 and, and coming to terms with your own 
burned past Battling mo- demons movie. and stuff, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, ra- rather than the, the vengeance bit, yeah. Let's talk about the cast. Obviously, Nicole That's Williamson. We, you know, we, we love Nicole Williamson. We, we've seen him in Excalibur previously. Excalibur, yeah. I mean, they, as far as the Hall of Fame goes with um, this film, there's, there's no um, new entries. There's a few people that have got second uh, appearances. Yep. From, from other films, uh, as we say, Nicole Williamson, Godfrey Quigley, um, as well. Um, is he the as, doctor? Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. And is he um, has previously been, I believe, he was um, the um, Rita's father in Educating Rita. Ah, that's, that's right. He was in Educating Rita, and that was, I believe, that's who he played. Okay, hold tight on that because there's a Get Carter connection with him. Well, there's about five people in this who were um, also in Get Carter. Oh, is there? Because I, I recognised yeah. him as Frank's, yeah. Frank's mate in Get Carter. But yeah, go on, carry on, mate. You, you... Yeah, there's about five of them, but um, I haven't listed them all. But yeah, yeah, there's about five people. I kept going, oh, they were in Get Carter as well. Um, <laughs> there's the, um, the the very familiar face for people of our age of the um, the drunk who, who wins the <laughs> wins the bingo or whatever it is. And he's um, that that scrawny little old man with a big big bulbous nose um, Wally Batty from uh, Last yeah, of the Summer Wine isn't exactly it? Joe, Joe Gladwin his name is and we know him from, from that he was also um, <laughs> previously uh, in Three Hats for Lisa yes he was yeah the, the voice so, of the, the voice of the Hovis commercials yeah that's him that's yeah. him yeah it's very famous <laughs> uncredited in that bar scene do you remember Love Thy Neighbour the TV series yes uh, uncredited, apparently, I just found this out this morning while I was looking some stuff up. Jacko's mate, the one that says, I'll have half, is in All it. All right. He's in it, yeah. Um, who else we got? Who else we got? Uh, and one more, there's uh, Claire Kelly, um, who um, played a character called Mrs. Davis, which I think was um, just one of the women... Neighbours or uh, something. Yeah, is either one of the neighbours, or she was the um, landlady mm. in the, the hotel, I can't remember which... Um, but she was previously in um, Georgie Girl. Wow. Okay. So, so that, but um, had to pinpoint her exactly. But yeah. that was it. There's no. There was no. As I say, there was nobody who um, gets a third entry and therefore gets in the the Hall of Fame. But there, were, there was about five people who had been in in Get Carter as well. Right. Um, which which for them must have seemed like they were going from uh, particularly those that were. I think who were in the scenes that were to do with the um, Liverpool bit, yeah, they might have only had one perception of of this film as being a, a revenge film because <laughs> um, they wouldn't have had any involvement with the other other side of it. Um, so they might have felt they were going from one film of one of of the same ilk. But yeah, it's 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 interesting now these these faces crop up, and there's plenty of other faces I think we recognise in there and go, oh, we've seen her before or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, the production side of it, I mean, the music's Malcolm Arnold, um, yeah. who will eventually hit the Hall of Fame. I mean, I think he wrote the St. Trinian's theme tune, amongst other things. I just want to go back, talking about the bar scene, talking about Wally Batty and the bar scene. It's the most incredible sort of working men's club I've ever seen. It looked like a typical working men's club, but there's a bloody great wrestling ring in the middle of it. Yeah, well, that's what they were like. Yeah, yeah, and it featured actually features Jackie Palo, who who we would know from you know the Saturday afternoon wrestling on ITV on World of Sport. So Jackie Palo makes an appearance. He's only moved. Who's, yeah, who ends up um, you know leaning on the um, <laughs> on the leaning ropes. on the ropes, 
looking at the other guy with confusion because two people, you know, there's there's a fight going on outside the ring and they're looking <laughs> as if to say, well, what do we do then if they're busy fighting? You know, do we just watch them like they were watching us or what do we do? Yeah, there's an incredible so. bit of sound dubbing as well. I mean, when you watch the crowd, when the, when the wrestling match first starts, you know, it, it zooms in on women with their hands to their faces, screaming, kill him, you know, like, you know, you always used to see. But then, he's not worth it. Yeah, and there were these sort of ADR overdubs, right? And there's one really funny bit where they're they're, they're blowing raspberries. If you listen, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna lift it from the film now and play it. But in the middle of the screaming, there are two very loud sort of like raspberry noises where the women are like heckling the wrestlers. Take a listen. <laughs> But yeah, but yeah, we you know again as far as other people associated with it. I mean, Jack Gould, who um, Mm -hmm. directed it, has a reasonable pedigree of of films, but just doesn't happen to be any of the ones that we've already um, covered. (laughs) Are there any we're likely to watch? Anything? um, Yeah, I mean, I I think perhaps there are. I mean, um, I think we might do Aces High at some point, which is uh, Malcolm Malcolm McDowell. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else he's done. I'm just gonna have a look now. Yeah. Um, I mean, he got into doing a lot of TV stuff, but before that, you you know, he did a, did films. So there might be some other things that crop up for us, but um, uh, we'll see in the future. I know he did the the Naked Civil Servant, but oh well, we'll get around to doing that or not is a different matter. But there, there are so many faces in this that you just recognise from things like Last of the Simmer Wine and <laughs> and these old seventies and sixties sitcoms and and stuff that. Um, it's it's familiar territory for us, and obviously, you know, I can identify with the um, working men's club part and and the the grimy streets of Liverpool more than you know that you've been able to identify with the corporate boardroom in London and the cutthroat. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an interesting movie. As I say, I've got to watch it a second time, possibly even a third, to fully digest what's going on. It's not complicated. It's not a complicated movie to to take on board it was just i think it threw me a little bit as to the tone of it and trying to work out what genre it sort of sits in and i don't think i can actually place it anywhere it's it's certainly not no i i I can completely understand that and i think that's right for people to pre-warn people about to get their head in a right frame mind for watching this as far as what they will be seeing not because it's not because it's massively challenging in that way it's just to, to make sure that you're going into it with with the expectation of, of not being just a a, a, a carter-esque um as such it's um it, there's there's a different angle to it and also i think for me when i have watched it the other night I picked up on some of the dialogue that I haven't picked up on before, and it, it's not a, a problem not having picked up on that in the first place. But you get from a, a rewatch, you get a, 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 some of the missed lines that you might, you might have gone, "Oh, I didn't hear that before. That's quite clever and, and stuff." So, yeah. um, and and I did get a bit more of a sense that there was there was parallels in in the. The background between the two lives as well with regards to what was going on in in 
Liverpool and what was going on in the boardroom. There was more sort of foreshadowing in in his reaction to different things. There was there was sort of um, a mirroring in a way as he's as he unravelled and became closer to being a singular person between the two worlds rather than being two separate people that he occupied in two separate worlds. Yeah, um, I think as he's so, unravelling, the confidence or something has changed within him that, you know, he's he's got the balls to actually stand up and, and say, right, well, look, no matter what the, you know, the board or the director or whoever it is thinks of me, I'm a bloody good salesman, a bloody good whatever he does. For, I don't even know what he does for a living, to be honest. Um, well, they're, they're a company that sell, sells. <laughs> this probably ties into the title. They're 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 um, a company that sells reckoning machines that you know do actually um, adding machines. Oh yeah, it's the computer um, thing, isn't so, it? That's so, right. Yeah, um, yeah. and then it's you know the thing about they missed the opportunity to get into the market when you know with computers. That's it. And they and they're being overtaken, and they're going to have to take a different tact for selling them. But that's. The, the the word you know reckoning as a as as a, a phrase used for for the tallying machines or the adding machines um the reckoning machine is that again ties a little is a bit clever and, and subtle in there but um but I'm just um, gonna I don't know that was up. how much that was intentional or always just a happenstance. I'm just gonna look something up. I'm gonna find the actual dictionary definition for the word reckoning. Right. The action or process of calculating or estimating something or the avenging or punishing of past mistakes or misdeeds. That's why it's called the reckoning. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a double meaning it's of the word. Double, so. That's very um, clever. I didn't so. even think it's one of those things where you just accept the title without even thinking. Well, this is it. The second time around, it was one of the things where I was going, oh, oh yeah, adding machines, right? Because yeah. I, I don't know if they actually... I don't know if at some point one of the... Um, the other businessman uses the word reckoning machines, and he uh, he refers to them as adding machines. Yeah, um, which might be the you know north side divide. But um, as I say, I, it it didn't catch me until the second watch yeah. uh, the other night. So it um it, it it's it's there's these bits of cleverness in there. I think that were perhaps um, not immediate, and that's why it's worth a, a, a rewatch. I need to rewatch it as I say because. I don't know. I was I was focusing on other bits of the story, trying to work out where it was going to go, and I loved it. I absolutely loved the movie. If if you want to watch a movie that has got some solid acting from Nicole Williamson in particular, this is the film for you. Just be prepared that you just might have to sit and think a little bit about where this is going because it will take you down a different route that you you sort of least expect. Where you think this film is going to progress somewhere. It focuses in on a completely different side of the story. Um, and as you say, you witness the unravelling of a man. You witness his breakdown, but ultimately his success. He's not a likeable character, as we've, we've sort of touched upon here. Well, but, you're saying it in, but at you the know, same time, it's a success. It does actually say one of the posters. It's, it is um, the most successful man in town, Nicole Williamson in The Reckoning, a success story. Yeah. Um, so there's there's that kind of angle that they're playing up. But I'd recommend not... it. I mean, it, it would not appeal to everybody, this movie. I know I, I could see that from the start. People would take a look at that and think, 
where's it going and give up after 20 minutes i mean it took me two goes to watch this as i told you like over the text the other night but then yeah yeah but that's my age i fell asleep after half an hour on friday night yeah this is it you know (laughs) but i sat and watched it again yesterday from from the start again and absolutely loved it i mean i've given it three stars on letterboxd with the intention that my second viewing is going to bump it up to a four at the very least it may even go higher than that because it's got that air of a, of a cult movie to it, almost. You know, one of those lost, lost movies that needs to be discovered or rediscovered. Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's it's it is described as being an almost lost movie, and I yeah. think you, you know, as you said to to me about the fact that it hasn't been shown on TV for nearly thirty years. I or think whatever. so. Yeah, um, yeah. and that. I think it, it being a bit lost at the time of its release and then maybe that being why it hasn't been followed up and I can understand that maybe brings it to being cult status now, I suppose, with a lot of people not having been uh, aware of it. Um, but the quality of the acting, like you say, particularly from Nicole Williamson um, and the, the, the grit in it and the way it's actually written, I think, does mean... For me, it's, it's why I wanted it to get more attention via via this, because obviously, once we've reviewed it, that will bring it to the mainstream. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody will know about this movie yeah. following this podcast. But if, but, if, but if both our listeners decide to watch it, that's then, fine. You know, yes, that's, yeah, dub- that's, that's doubled the audience, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I think it got a pretty good. Um, response from its Talking Pictures TV screening because they showed it pretty much the week after again, if I remember, and I missed it both times, uh, which must have been when you caught it Um, and I'm sure that they will probably keep showing it again and again, I think it's just been released on Blu-ray if you're looking for a copy online it's impossible to find pretty much, we did find a copy Um, but I'm I'm probably going to buy a physical copy of it because I'm I'm sort of invested in this now yeah, yeah. I want to have a little look at it and and sort of digest it once again and just try and get to the to the core of it because I'm sure I missed a lot. I missed a lot in this. In your rating, I mean, it's it's not a cinematic movie as such. Is it's it? not a cinematic movie, and I think it's very much one that is um, of a a particular type that means that a lot of people might not get it. Yeah, to be perfectly honest, I think our audience on on here is maybe more likely to say because they've got more. Um, more sophisticated taste in in that sense, as far as being able to appreciate uh, something that's that's not just an easy um, consumption. It doesn't, you know, it's, it's not spoon fed. You know, they can actually take something more than that. Um, but still, even even then, I would say yes. It's it's one that if if you like this kind of thing, a character study. Um, then definitely go out your way to try and find it, which would be hard, but go out your way to find it. But um, I can imagine that for the majority, it wouldn't be their thing, unfortunately. Um, but it deserves a chance. It yeah. definitely deserves a chance for people because of, of the quality that's that's hidden in it. Also for people that are sort of aware of Nicole Williamson, but only have ever seen Excalibur or the Shakespeare. He was very you know, prominent in the old Shakespeare best, stuff, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it's just interesting to see him playing... A contemporary at the time, a contemporary character, and just acting his bloody socks off. We need to mention Rachel Roberts very quickly. Yes. Um, 
Rachel Roberts, queen of the kitchen sink dramas. You know, she was in Saturday Night, Sunday Morning, and I think it was This Sporting Life. So she will hit the Hall of Fame when we carry on with our... This is it, yeah. yeah. She will, she was, is the most likely candidate out of this film to, to achieve um, Hall of Fame status yeah. first. So, yeah. yeah, so she will... Fantastic actress, she will crop up many times in the future. Absolutely love her. Tell you what, should we take a little break, mate, and we'll be back with what we're watching next time? Yeah. Okay. Okay, what we're watching next time is down to me. It's a bit of an oddity, this one. We're going back mm-hmm. to 1965, directed by Otto Preminger, okay, who I believe was an American director. But, you know, within the, the confines of the Real Britannia remit, I think this class as a British movie because you've got Laurence Olivier in it. Keir DeLay, who was in 2001, American actor, but doesn't matter. If you if you just stick with me for a moment, um, Noel Coward's in there. Meg's Jenkins, so she might hit the Hall of Fame with this one. Martita Hunt, I think she might hit the Hall of Fame. Anna Massey's in it. There's a guest appearance in a bar or a club by the, the Zombies, the 60s pop group. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, it's Bunny Lake is Missing, the psychological drama. Oh, yeah. I know of it, yeah. but I've not watched it. I watched uh-huh. it, I think, about a year ago for the first time. and absolutely loved it. So I'm thinking, yeah, let's have a little chat about this. Because it's, it's the, the synopsis, it says on IMDb, a woman reports that her young daughter is missing, but there seems to be no evidence that she ever existed. So that's intriguing from the start, isn't it? You think, oh, I need to see this. So as you haven't seen it, perfect. Great, great opportunity for me and you to actually talk about it. Yeah, it's. I think it's something that you know. It, it's the kind of thing that now gets done as a plot of an entire um, six-season TV series in, true, on, yeah. on HBO <laughs> or something other. But um, it's absolutely it just shows that that interesting storyline and that imagine imagination hmm. um, isn't something that's that's only cropped up in recent years. It's something that goes back to these these years and. No, was done incredibly well from my understanding of this. So oh, absolutely, yeah. well, I, I look forward to seeing this. Yeah, what I remember of it is that as you are introduced to certain plot elements and as the story progresses, you're equally in the dark as the detectives. You know, you're just equally as intrigued as to what the hell's going on until you get to the the last half of the last act. You know, where it all gets resolved. So you're just following this plot scratching your head throughout which is a great great way to watch a movie sometimes so that'd be an interesting one to come back to mate yeah i'll be looking forward to that because that seems very intriguing as i said i was aware of it i couldn't remember the title but i remember reading about it before um and thinking that sounds like an intriguing film i'll get around to watching it one day um but so absolutely i'm happy to um fill that gap in my viewing so um, great don't look yeah. too much into it beforehand, mate, because there is not necessarily a twist, but a, a, a lovely sort of development at the end as it all, you know, ties together. So go into it as as blind as you can. Once again, thank you, sir, for being here again this morning for the Real Britannia podcast. My pleasure as always. Um, we'll see you. <laughs> it's November. I will see you <laughs> for our Christmas episode for before we yes. record this one. <laughs> but until then, thank you very much, mate. See you soon.
Take care. Absolute shah. A positive shah. Bon voyage. Good luck. Thank you. British end up, sir.